This is Mo and McGee on Fantasy. Welcome in, folks. This is Mo and McGee on Fantasy. Kevin, last week we got roasted, we got burnt, we got scorched because we said our fantasy teams were bad. And I, for one, I'm impressed with us of our honesty. And you know what? Now we're just not going to... Now we're not going to talk about how good or bad our fancy teams are, um, and you'll just have to blindly trust us like you did before. Yeah, but you don't have to worry about this episode because these are all bangers. Everything's in a hit. I mean, even even if you're playing the ads, even if you put Logan on the black blackjack table, yeah, he wins a large percent of the time, but not every time. Are you kidding me? So. Yeah, well, Kevin, that's not really that's not a good uh, example because I do just absolutely rake um, on the <laughs> on the blackjack table. So um, fantasy, however, you know, it's a week to week game, Kevin. So you start out zero and three, start out whatever. It's a week to week game as long as you're making the right moves, and that's what we're here for. If you're one and three or four and zero, oh, we got the right moves. We got the information that you need to to go on. Uh, and start winning or keep on winning, whatever you're doing. Yeah, and and why don't we start it off real hot with some nice names to remember, names to forget? Yeah, my name to remember is one of our preseason favorites, uh, Michael Gallup. He came back uh, in week four, just like kind of the whole offseason. They said week four was the target date. He ran the second most routes on the Cowboys. That only ended up being three targets, however— converted one into a touchdown. He had the only end zone target on the team. Uh, and Noah Brown probably out with an injury at least week five, letting Gallup settle back into that wide receiver two role that we thought he would eventually get to. Um, so I'm really excited for Michael Gallup. I think he can be fired up as a flex play immediately this week uh, with upside to potentially be a wide receiver two. Yeah, Jerry Jones runs this team. And that's why as soon as Dak's ready, or even before he's ready, Dak's going to be on, out on the field, which sounds like pretty soon. Michael Gallup threw some money his way. He's going to be out there on the field. And that's why Zeke will never go totally out of favor because there's a lot of money wrapped up there. Um, Gallup, really solid season last year before he um, went down with the, with the ACL. Um, but now that he's back, can't roll coverage to C.D. Lamb all the time. Gallup, and when they do, Gallup's going to be wide open. There you go. Uh, name to forget is another preseason favorite of mine. And here's the nature, Kevin. You know, some are going to work out, like Michael Gallup. Some do not. Uh, my name to forget is Mike Kosicki. In a shallow tight end landscape where you're just searching and just trying almost anything you can to fix that spot, um, He's, you know, getting out snapped by Durham Smythe. Durham Smythe, Durham Smythe didn't end up with any targets, of course, but uh, I think I believe Mike Kosicki has 11 catches uh, or 11 targets. Don't, you know what? I, I need to do better research, but uh, I think it's 11 catches on the season so Either far, way, which not is good. Just, yeah, not good. Either way, um, and the fact that he's getting out snapped by Durham Smythe means Miami's doesn't like using him as a blocker. So he's like a wide receiver four that gets on the field 40% of the time, which at tight end is barely workable, but I don't have any, you know, confidence in him. The Dolphins are running through Hill and Waddle. 
uh, and the two running backs. Yeah, you, you said it well. Gasicki spends most of his time lined up on the outside. Um, this is a Mike McDaniel scheme where they want the tight ends to block, um, and that's just not what Mike Gasicki is. So unless you see an injury on the outside, sure, you can fill in Mike Gasicki for six points when your starting tight end has a bye, but that, that's right about it. You, you can forget about playing him any time outside of when you absolutely need to. Well, thanks, Kevin. You know, that's... We're already in agreement here through two. Uh, let's hear your name to remember, name to forget. Yeah, name to remember, uh, Rashad White. So the first three weeks we saw Leonard Fournette take 90, 95% of the rushes, 90% of the snaps um, at the running back position. Um, but Todd Bowles and uh, Byron Leftwich have talked about how they want to get Rashad White more involved, um, not just on special teams, but a- as a runner. And we saw that in week four. Um and I, I think you can expect more of that. Um, he, he's a pass-catching specialist. You could see him take over that third-down role, which in a Tom Brady offense where we've seen um, James White make a living there, Deion Lewis make a living, um, Rashad White can fill in um, and, and be a very sustainable player with the upside of if Leonard Fournette goes down. Congratulations, you probably have a, a high-end RB2. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's more where I'm at with Rashad White. I'm not ready to full on go that he has standalone value yet. Um, You know, when we think of pass catching guys that have standalone value, you're thinking Naeem Hines, J.D. McKissick, those types. I don't know if Rashad White's quite there yet. Uh, Tampa Bay threw the ball, I think, 50 some times. Uh, Leonard Fournette had more targets, more catches. Weirdly, they only, you know, they only ran the ball six times. That's going to be all, all Leonard Fournette usually. I, I think he's more of a handcuff guy instead of a standalone guy right now. But I can see the intrigue of adding him to your roster and letting this play out. The guy who doesn't have um, handcuff value, Craig Reynolds, as we very quickly figured out. Um, popular pickup. Some people thought, you know. It was a running uh, a little bit of a split workload between DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, so maybe a little bit of split work between Craig Reynolds and and Jamal Williams, and that's just not the case. Uh, we saw Jamal went, uh, Williams get 90 plus percent of, of the rushes, and um, Craig Reynolds was virtually a, a non-factor. Did get like a 22 percent snap share, but didn't even get the receiving work. That went to Justin Jackson. Um, so when, this was Craig Reynolds' time. Um, it was nice to talk about him for, you know, three days last week, but I think that's that's it. Um, open and shut. You can forget about Craig Reynolds. Yeah, and I think a lot of his intrigue was also probably people remember that he had to start a couple games last year. And maybe they're thinking, you know, going back to that guy. Um, clearly the Jamal Williams show, um, he's a guy that even when – uh, DeAndre Swift gets back, has standalone value. You got to feel good if you have Jamal Williams on your team. You grabbed him from the waiver wire last week or had him on your roster. Um, the the fact that Justin Jackson was out there picking up snaps is just a huge, huge sign that Craig Reynolds has almost zero value unless there's a injury apocalypse with the Lions. Yeah. Yep. Um, let, let's keep it moving on to the next man up. Um, Tua Tunga Viola, um, 
obviously with the hair, the scary head injury, um, it's removed from the game, probably going to be a little bit of a road back, especially with all the eyes on that team right now. Um, I don't think you're probably plugging Teddy Bridgewater in. Are you? And, and uh, even if you're not, what does this do to the Dolphins? Teddy Bridgewater actually does intrigue me a little bit as like a streaming quarterback. Um, you know, let's say you had Dak, Dak Prescott and you've been streaming uh, QBs or maybe you ha- had Tua. Um, he does intrigue me because of the skill position players. The fact that, you know, he doesn't need to bomb it to Hill and Waddle. He, if he hits them nicely on a slant, they can take it 70 yards to the house, uh, and, and get you some good value there. Um, I don't think he jumps into the QB one tier, but he jumps in if he has a good matchup over the next three weeks to plug him in. Um, and I don't know if I don't really think this changes much of my outlook for for any of the Miami pass catchers. Oh, OK, I, I think that's an interesting take. Um, I, I do agree that those. Pass catchers are, are mostly quarterback proof. I'm a little uh, higher, I think, on Tua and his, his um, deep passing ability. Um, I, I think he opened up the field a little bit for Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle. Um, whereas Teddy, that, that's kind of where he struggles at times. He, yes, he's accurate when he does go deep, but he just doesn't go deep very often. And, and the oh, other he has a noodle. Really bi- he has yeah, a noodle on uh, Yeah, and Teddy's also very bad in the red zone. Um, so look, maybe... Uh, where I actually like to see a little bit of a boost is Raheem Mostert. Um, I, I think we might see Miami look to run the ball a little bit more in the red zone, kind of take some of the load off Teddy. Um, and and you might see some more touchdowns coming his way or Chase Edmonds' way um, that probably weren't on the table before. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, you know, speaking of Teddy, former Viking, let's go to another former Viking. Uh, Cordero Patterson goes down. Uh, gonna be out for four weeks. They put him on IR. It was a lot of Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley, who I had never heard of before this week, but now popular waiver pickups. Yeah, actually, Kevin, I want to take that back. I was all over Algier, and you knew you know that. <laughs> I, I know that you were very high on a fifth round running back, which nobody should be, but you know, it works out here. Patterson's on the IR out at least four weeks. Feel free to go um, trade for your Tyler Algier if you can. Um, and if you have him, I there's a good chance you can offload him for you know pretty good value. I think there's people that are going to be pretty high on um, on him. Um, not much else to say. Falcons offense isn't really something that I want a big piece of, um, but RB2 for a lot of teams is going to be really sketchy anyway. Um, and... I think either of those guys are is fine to plug in and hopefully get you 10 points and hopefully survive at the RB2 spot and and keep you in uh, playing territory for the week. Well, and, and the fact is, Kevin, that the Falcons have actually ran the ball really well. Um, you know, Patterson's gone over a buck 50 twice. Uh, all three runners had some success last week. Cordero, Caleb Huntley, Tyler Algier. Um believe Algier and Caleb Huntley both scored touchdowns. I think once again, they had around 150-ish rushing yards. Um, You know, I I am a believer in Tyler Algier. 
great college tape. I was big on him in the offseason. Um, so here's the problem, Kevin. I don't think you should start any of them this week. They run into Tampa Bay first week. Um, no one can really run really, really well on Tampa Bay. This is that kind of that streaming thing, right, where, you know, if your RB2 position is weak, maybe next week is a Tyler Algier week. This week you can try to find someone else to plug in there. Um, I, I just don't think this is the week. Let's let it marinate. Let's see who gets most of the work against Tampa Bay. Probably not successful, but then you'll you'll at least know who's the lead guy, and um, you'll have a little more confidence next week starting them. Yeah, and another spot where you might be able to find a guy to plug in um, is a product of the Javante Williams injury. Um, too bad because I I was really high on Javante, but it it looks like that he's going to probably not even be ready for the start of next year. Um, the the next guys up there are Melvin Gordon and 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 Mike Boone. Do either of those guys intrigue you, and why? Mike Boone does intrigue me a lot. Um, he was on the field more than Melvin Gordon. Uh, he's going to be their catch-up mode guy, I think. Even though Melvin Gordon has been used as more of a receiving back with uh, Denver than he was with the Chargers, um, I, I think Mike Boone's going to get a little bit of run, at least on Thursday this week. If he can be successful on Thursday, he may he might have a runway to uh, a pretty lucrative, you know, role. Javante Williams was handling 18 touches a game through the first four weeks. Um, if if Mike Boone can get 15 touches a week, I think he does well for you, and I think he's a he's a potential RB three flex play. Uh, if Melvin Gordon takes over and he's getting 25 touches a week, well. I, I, I don't trust him as more more than just a volume-based RB2. Uh, and that's you're looking for a touchdown probably with Melvin Gordon. I think with Mike Boone, you might get that J.D. McKissick, Naeem Hines-ish receiving role, which would be valuable. Yeah, I, I really I also like Mike Boone, especially for Thursday night. Um, the glaring issue for Melvin Gordon right now is he has five fumbles in his last 44 carries. A couple of those going for scoop and score touchdowns on the other end. Um, I look for him to be in the doghouse a little bit and not reap all of the benefit right away from a Javante Williams injury. I still like Melvin Gordon probably season long, substantially better. But I think in the short term and until Melvin Gordon can prove that he's not going to put the ball on the turf, um, Mike Boone is going to have very solid value. Now let's hop to the next big time running back that goes down. Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor will be out Thursday night. Um, Naeem Hines, not known as an inside runner. Where are you at for Thursday night, Naeem Hines? Where do you, where would you kind of rank him? What would you project his role to be like on Thursday? Um, so, uh, the Colts do have Deion Jackson, who I think will see some of the between the tackles a, a little bit. Um, but Naeem Hines is a very explosive player, um, and he doesn't need a lot of touches for him for you to cash in on him. Um, he just has to get one long reception um, that goes for a touchdown, one 
one run that he happens to bust around the outside. Um, I, I think he's playable all over the place. I, I'd put him squarely in RB2 territory. Um, sounds like Jonathan Taylor is going to be back after that. So I, I don't know if, if you're going to be able to see it much beyond um, that point. But um, for at least the short term, I, I like Naeem Hines. Yeah, and, and maybe this is one of those like coaching wake-up calls where Naeem Hines comes in, has a good game. They realize, you know, we can't be shoving the ball to Jonathan Taylor 30 times a game. Naeem Hines might get more work after this. Per, you can't be taking two yards per carry on Jonathan Taylor. Um, That's true. Yeah, it, and maybe as the season wears on, Jonathan Taylor becomes more productive, but he's been a major bust so far. And the Colts have to figure something out. Otherwise, they're at lot, at risk of not winning the division, which in, in the NFC or AFC South um, has to be the goal. Yeah, it's a wide open division. So if Frank Reich doesn't get this, you know, his name has already been kind of floated on hot seats. Um, so, yeah, maybe time to start using your playmakers a little better. Um, all right, Kevin, let's go to hot or not. These are guys that uh, either had a hot week or did not. And, you know, if we think it's going to continue, we got to see yeah. uh, Kenny Pickett first first yeah. NFL action. What do you think of Kenny Pickett? Is he a person that intrigues your interest if you're in the need for a quarterback? Yeah. Kenny Pickett comes out in, in a partial game, throws zero touchdowns, throws three interceptions. That should be enough to turn me totally off of him. However, he does run in uh, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. And in fantasy football, with especially with four-point passing touchdowns, rushing is key. And, you know, Mike Tomlin is going to have this figured out. The game plan, Matt Canada is going to put together a good game plan for Kenny Pickett, give him the full week to, you know, Keep him comfortable, limit those interceptions, and and you know utilize what he does best. I'm really intrigued by Kenny Pickett. Not a guy that I'm throwing out there right away, but he's somebody that if you're if you had Tua and you were really scraping by at quarterback, he's an intriguing pickup that has you know decent upside with that rushing ability. Yeah, here's my problem, Kevin. Uh, if you look at his schedule, uh, the next four weeks. He has at Buffalo this week, no good. Tampa Bay, no good. At Miami, all right, I could see you maybe trying to stream him there. But then at, then at Philly week eight, uh, not a good four-game slate. Uh, hopefully, you know, he plays well enough to maintain a little confidence and he doesn't get slaughtered these next three out of four weeks. Um, week nine by. So that's maybe where I'd be targeting him if my quarterback isn't up to snuff or, you know, a bye week fill in uh, there at the end of the uh, season. Um, that's where I'll be looking for Kenny Pickett. I don't know if he's worth a roster spot right now, just with the brutal schedule. Yeah. Um, I, I would keep my eyes very close on, on those games, though, especially if he goes out um, against Buffalo. And yes, tremendous defense. But that game, you know, Pittsburgh could find themselves into a, a two touchdown hole and you're going to be able to see what happens when they need to throw. And if they can put together a game plan that, you know, keeps him his passing numbers somewhat in line, maybe that 
flips things a little bit and you can see shootouts in Tampa. You can see shootouts and against Philly. Um, and maybe that becomes a little bit more intriguing, but yes, I, I agree. Having the bye week there, um, that does seem like, you know, the best time to pick him up. Um, everybody's thinking that though. So you, sometimes you have to get out of the curve. <laughs> That's true. Um, another thing too, just, you know, talking about Kenny Pickett, the receiving, Target tree kind of completely flipped on its head once Kenny Pickett got in there. Deontay Johnson, uh, not heavily targeted like he had been with Ross Roethlisberger and Trubisky. Uh, Kenny Pickett went to his guy, George Pickens. He went to Friermuth. I'd be a little concerned if I owned Deontay Johnson. I'd be very happy if I owned George Pickens. Absolutely. Another guy that you're probably pretty happy about owning, J.K. Dobbins, comes in. Two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. Um, is he a guy that you look to stay hot or um, a little bit of a flash in the pan and you should temper expectations a little bit? You know what I'm concerned about, Kevin, is he missed practice today with a chest injury. Um, you know, is he showing signs that he's not a durable guy? It, it does concern me a little bit. Um we, we saw this early in his rookie year that he was really good in the red zone. Um, this happened, you know, as, as soon as weeks one and two last year, you, he was scoring touchdowns. Uh, the rushing upside is always going to be capped when you're sharing a backfield with Lamar Jackson, um, because a lot of the running plays are designed for Lamar to either hand it off or if he sees an opportunity to take off and, um, you know, he sees a lot of those opportunities, Kevin Lamar does, uh, more, than, more than any yes. other quarterback in the league. Um, <laughs> and what, it's good to own Lamar Jackson, uh, but if you're a Dobbins person, like how many games do you think Dobbins has that are 100 rushing yards? Uh, probably not many, maybe three or four. Uh, yeah. Probably less. And, and, you know, Gus Edwards is going to come back at some point here. That scares me quite a bit. Do I think the touchdown upside is going to be constantly there? Yes, I do. They do like to use him in the red zone. Um, we saw him. He does have that explosiveness. Took that catch, uh, you know, into the house. I'm kind of back-end RB2 touchdown, kind of a touchdown guy, kind of a James Conner-ish. Uh, you know, he's going to really need to fall into the end zone for you to get paid off. Um, but he's also more likely than other running backs to fall into the end zone. So that's, you got to kind of find that balance. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that scares me with J.K. Dobbins is the Ravens. I, I know J.K. Dobbins did get a receiving touchdown, but traditionally haven't thrown to the running back much in the last few years. Um, and we saw Mark Andrews had, you know, a, a very not Mark Andrews game. So what happens when that receiving upside is totally gone? He ran 20 times here. I don't know that he runs 20 times again um, the rest of the season because this is the third time that the Ravens have blown a 17-point lead. I think it's going to be uh, stomp the foot, foot on the neck, um, break break some necks, and uh, you know not let leads get away. I, I have a tough time believing they're going to sit back on their laurel, laurels in the future. Um, Rushing upside, I see dissipating a little bit, and the receiving upside, I think, is definitely a flash in the pan. Yeah, so it sounds like we're kind of in agreement. You know, back end RB two, touchdown guy. Um, yep. 
But you should still be excited if you have J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I, I think he's a good person to s- just keep in that RB2 slot for the rest of the year. Just don't be expecting, you know, a bunch of 25-pointers. Um, a guy who I think we all kind of left for dead, Kevin, uh, Corey Davis. He's shown up. Uh, had another big-time game. Uh, had seven targets uh, and 74 yards. And a touchdown, Kevin. Is he startable? Yeah, wide receiver 26 on the year. You know, nine times out of 10, that's an absolute yes. My issue with Corey Davis is I, I believe in the talent. And while I believe Corey Davis is somewhat talented, I believe Elijah Moore is very talented. And Elijah Moore is trailing um, Corey Davis on targets by by one. I don't think that continues. He has Elijah Moore has his buddy Zach Wilson back. Um and I, I look for that script to flip a little bit. Um, that being said, if Corey Davis is out there, definitely worth rostering. Um, but I'm not playing him in yet. Give me another week with Zach Wilson. Um, I'm not going out and buying him. I'm not expecting him to stay hot, but worth a stash. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. He still is. Uh, Elijah Moore is playing the most. He's running the most routes. Um at some point, you'd think that translates to some fantasy success. Him and Zach Wilson did have a connection last year. I'm with you that um, Elijah Moore is the buy here, buy low for sure. And Corey Davis might be a sell high uh, because he's you know third on this team in snaps and routes. Um, you know, going with the talent, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson is usually better. You know, and how easy we forget that Corey Davis was what, like the number five overall pick or something crazy like that, Kevin. Yep. Western Michigan. Wrap that city. Whoops. Um, <laughs> Kevin, one of my favorite fantasy football names and also a favorite if you had him in your lineup this week, Mo Alley Cox, MAC, the big Mack truck. Um, his Target percentage, his snap percentage has gone up every week. Week one, two, and three, four, they've all gone up. We saw that they uh, dropped one of the tight ends. Uh, so now it's just him and Jelani Woods um, kind of competing there. Is Mo Ali Cox a person you're interested in if you're kind of desperate at tight end? Yeah, if you're desperate at tight end, I like him especially week five this week against Denver. Um, Denver's locked down on the outside, going to force a lot to the tight ends. And Molly Cox's game is to come out, score two touchdowns, and then the next week only get two targets. So if nothing else, scoop him up, let him go off again, cash that in, and when Jonathan Taylor comes back, you know, maybe if Kyle Pitts doesn't play this week, you can dump Molly Cox for Kyle Pitts or, you know, another, another player on a team that's, um, a fantasy team that's really struggling at tight end. Um, I like the pick up and play um, here, and but probably that's it for me. Yeah, Jelani Woods is a rookie, and I think they like him a lot. So I think eventually towards the end of the season, it will be more Jelani Woods. Um, but you're right, Mo Ali Cox, a uh, huge guy, um, you know, and he's uh, a touchdown He's a touchdown maker. He, that's what he does. 
this week against Denver could be an interesting game with no JT. We could see the Colts maybe go to the air a little more than they're used to, uh, and that could be a benefit for him. So I, I agree with you. Pick him up, uh, if anything, but for trade bait. Um, Kevin, let's go to the bums of the week. These are guys that are highly started, um, you know, highly rostered, but they really crush you this week. Yeah, let's start it off with George Kittle. Um, oh, played Denver Kevin's last attacking week. me already, folks. Yep, right, right in Moe's side. Um, George Kittle coming back um, against Denver last week. You're like, okay, needed some time to get into the swing of things. Comes back against the Rams and drops 4.4 points this week. Fails to get his feet in on the touchdown um, that really would have saved the week for him. Um, the, the, he's an elite athletic tight end that you draft high because he can go out and get 13 targets. The only issue is right now he's a glorified left tackle, um, which is really, really bad for where you had to take him in drafts. Yep. Uh, Kevin spent a fifth round pick on him uh, in multiple leagues, not just one. I think I have him in two out of three. Uh, He's been disappointed for sure. Didn't play the first two weeks. And uh, unfortunately for the Niners, they lost Trent Williams, so they've been using George as a blocker on that side. It seems like even when he's catching the ball, it's short little dump-offs. Like he Green plays. Yeah, yeah he, he chips a person, and then like no one else is open, so Jimmy just dumps it off to him. The end zone target was nice to see. I think, unfortunately, for people that drafted George Kittle, it's going to be kind of that. You're, you're hoping and praying for a touchdown every week. Which two years ago, you know, before all the bad injuries, he was a guy that didn't need touchdowns. And that's why he was so highly ranked, because he'd catch six for 60 and and he'd be a top top 10 tight end Um, right now. So far, it doesn't look like that. I do trust Jimmy G to hopefully figure out throwing throwing him the ball more. But I don't know with guys as special as Debo Samuel. Uh, I don't know if you'd rather throw to George Kittle down the seam or just chuck it up in the air and let Debo run. Um, so I'm a little worried if I'm a George Kittle owner. Yeah. Yeah. Two two or three weeks ago, or two or three years ago, when we saw him going off, um, there was a revolving door on the outside. Ayuk was getting injured. Debo Samuel was getting injured. Um, but right now, Jimmy G seems content to throw to the seams to Debo and Ayuk and even Juwan Jennings, um, which if Kettle's going to be um, not touchdown dependent, he has to be catching balls in the seams and he's just not even getting looked that way, um, which is very concerning. <sighs> Thanks, Kevin. That was nice. Um, let's go to my bum of the week. And uh, we talked about him a little bit last week, but that's Najee Harris. Najee Harris, you kind of look at how many touches. You got 18 touches, Kevin. That's nice, right? If you're, you know, if you're having an RB1, you draft him in the first round, 18 touches, pretty good. Uh, however, he only turned those in 18 touches into 74 rushing yards. Did not have a catch, Kevin. That's not good. Uh-oh. That was his bread and butter last year. He only ends up with 7.4 points. This is uh, he has not eclipsed 14 points on the season. He might not even be my bum of the week. He might be my bum of the year so far. If Jonathan Taylor hadn't hasn't 
you know, hadn't been playing so poorly. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor's probably the bum of the year so far because you had to spend the one over one number one overall to get him. Um, but Najee Harris has been supremely disappointing through four weeks. Yeah, and we, we talked about it with Kenny Pickett. Buffalo next. Tampa Bay. You don't like he's he's not gonna have big games against those teams, especially when he was getting um, you know, three yards per carry against Cincinnati, um, New England, Cleveland, and the Jets. It not looking up. Um if you can pivot off of Najee Harris and get decent value back, I, I absolutely would. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Uh, you can probably trade him on name brand right now and probably trade him on rankings brand. I'm sure he's still ranked highly across most consensus boards. Uh, I just have zero faith in him. And I was a big Najee guy. I had him last year, um, but he he got most of his work by being a receiver uh, and catching five to six, sometimes even nine footballs a week. Uh, he's not doing that this year. I don't think that's going to magically change going from Trubisky to Pickett. Um, so, yeah, big time down for Najee Harris. And there you have it, folks. A lot of things to not be excited about this week on uh, the recap theme, but maybe you can cash in on Michael Gout. Maybe you can cash in uh, on a stash with Rashad White. Um, there, there, there were good names there in, in Next Man Up, but... Uh, just keep churning, get some wins, and we'll have some even better names for you next week. Absolutely. See you in the strategy episode.